Welcome to the Experience Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with three first-year students, Sarah Rumps, Rafa Rivera, and Chisum Omenyenma. Sarah, Rafa, and Chisum are all consortium co-liaisons. I recently connected with them via Zoom to talk more about their stories, their backgrounds, what led them to Darden, and what led them to decide to become consortium co-liaisons. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sarah Rumps, Rafa Rivera, and Chisum Omenyenma. Rafa, Sarah, Chisum, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Brett. Thanks for having us, Brett. Well, it's great to have you all here. It's not normally the case that we have three guests all at the same time, but you know, it's always a special occasion. And I think this is very much a special occasion. Great to have you on, on the show and talk a little bit more about your backgrounds. Of course, we're going to talk about the consortium as well. But before we get there, uh, let's talk about you and, and your story. Sarah, I'm going to come to you first. You're in the upper right box here on my Zoom screen. So tell us a little bit more about you and, and uh, where you're from and what you did before coming to Darden. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Buffalo. I have been moving all over the place for the past couple of years since coming to Darden. So I've lived in Pittsburgh, Seattle, and then most recently before Charlottesville, I was living in Southern California uh, with my husband who is here at Darden with me. Um, and we were moving because he was in the Marine Corps. He recently got out, um, but in that time I was working within the retail and e-commerce space. Uh, so I had a stint at Amazon and American Eagle, and then I was most recently in a sales role. All right. Well, thank you for being here, Sarah. Chisum, we're going to go around the horn. I'm going to come to you next. Tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Brett. Um, so yeah, I started my career in real estate finance and investment banking at Wells Fargo. Uh, worked there for a number of years. And then following that, I had an opportunity to relocate to DC uh, and work for a debt fund um, covering multifamily and healthcare assets. And so uh, ultimately, I knew business school was coming down the line for me. It was definitely something that was kind of planned. Um, and so uh, I found my way to Darden, fortunately, and uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, I get the opportunity to one, be here on this podcast with you, but also with my two favorite co-liaisons, Rafa and Sarah, so I couldn't be happier. And where's home for you originally? Yeah, um, so originally from Nigeria, uh, but grew up here primarily in the States in Louisville, Kentucky. All right, all right. So we got, I think, upstate New York by way of California to the East Coast. We've got Nigeria by way of Louisville, Kentucky uh, to the DC area. So, all right, Rafa, where are you calling from? Let's go ahead and get it out there. Where are you calling from? Good afternoon, Brett. Thanks for having me here. I am calling from my hometown of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, I was born and raised uh, there, and I left for the first time when I was 18 to continental America um, and was in school in the Midwest. Uh, naturally, given how much I love the Midwest weather coming from an island, I stayed for another seven to eight years uh, and moved to Chicago where I met my wife uh, and I started working as a public accountant at Ernst & Young and then later uh, progressed to uh, private equity with Adam Street Partners. Um, I ended up at MBA school a little bit differently. I was at a fork in the road in my life and I was trying to still become some sort of professional athlete. So I was trying to compete professionally in CrossFit uh, for about two to three years recognize that, you know, it just wasn't for me. 
Uh, and my other path was to continue like down the business road and apply to MBA pro- to MBA school. And now I'm here with you. Uh, and uh, extremely happy to be here, just like Cheatham said, with my two favorite co-liaisons as well. That's great. And um, I will say, you don't hear a lot of people just sort of forsake island weather for that great Chicago winter weather. But you know what? I appreciate it. It's a resilient crew up there. If you can, if you can handle February in Chicago, you can maybe handle anything. Um, so thank you, Rafa, for being here and for calling in um, from Puerto Rico. We've got to put a new pin in the map uh, for podcast guests. Um, so Chisum, I'm going to come back to you for, for this question. It sounds like an MBA was something, given the work that you were doing, something you've been thinking about for a while. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Brett. All right. Well, talk us through your sort of decision. You know, all right, a lot of MBA programs out there. What drew you to Darden specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A ton of MBA programs out there. All of them are great. Um, But ultimately, what drew me to Darden uh, was the environment. I feel like Darden is great at cultivating an environment that allows students to be confident, competitive, humble, and teachable all at the same time. And you see that throughout the classroom and the case method. Um, And I feel like it's, it's an opportunity for you to really transform who you are as a person as you go into class each and every day with your section. And so it allows you to kind of change how you view yourself uh, all while you're kind of building confidence and polish and intellectual ability. So uh, I really love that about Darden. And I also love the fact that Darden constantly championed, you know, that growth mindset, you know, constantly challenging yourself, taking on additional initiatives, you know, obviously with all the student run clubs, you have an opportunity to really dive in and be a leader, right? Without having, you know, the fear of, you know, failure. So you can fail here and know that you have the people who are going to support you and uplift you and tell you it's okay. You know, this happens and you can try again. And so that's ultimately what attracted me to coming to Darden. Thank you for that. And, and Sarah, was an MBA always part of the plan or is it a relatively new idea uh, when you got around to applying? Yeah, so with my husband being in the Marine Corps, it was always a question of if I could make it work. Um, I always knew that I wanted to go to MBA. Just I'm a strong champion for women in business. And so I thought an MBA would continue to progress my own career. Uh, So when my husband decided to get out, it was truly there was never going to be a better time. Uh, So luckily, we decided that we wanted to go together I loved the West Coast, but I missed my family, so I wanted to come back East. Um, and kind of as Chisa mentioned, just Darden, the community, and the case method were really what drew me there. And then the admissions team and everyone that I met is—it made my decision pretty easy. Um, luckily, my husband and I were on the same page, so we're very happy to be here at Darden. I guess that does make it easier when it's a we thing, when you say, all right, well, what school do you, did you like? And you both say the same school, I guess a little bit awkward if you say something different, but it's all part of a conversation and a, and a process. Rafa, how about for you? So you already talked about, you sort of had this fork in the road to go pro as a CrossFit athlete, or to maybe go back to school, you kind of pursued the go back to school route. Um, what led you to Darden specifically? Yeah. So in all honesty, not to be too repetitive, but it was the people, the community, and just like the caliber and intensity of the academic rigor that Darden offers. It's just unmatchable and uncomparable. Um, and like visiting the school itself, I just, I loved um, Charlottesville, the area. Um, I went to undergrad in Notre Dame and it honestly reminded me a lot of it. 
so I just think all of those things put together uh, just just drew me here. And we'll take repetition on the podcast. I think that's what makes it feel real to people. It's like just one person out of our many guests said the people. People are like, I don't know about that community, but everybody talks about the community. It's a, it's a special thing. And, um, you know, I think particularly I've just gone through your first year, you probably come to really appreciate all the, all the people you're leaning on. So let's talk a little bit about what first year was like. Probably some of our listeners right now gearing up, uh, thinking about August. It's, it's on the horizon for them. Uh, Rafa, I'm going to come back to you for this first question. Um, tell us about that sort of adjustment process. Were there any learning curves for you? Uh, there is a very steep learning curve, I think, for me and, and probably for everyone. Um, but it's, it's the learning curve of having to kind of relearn how to really, truly manage your time. Uh, just because if you don't learn how to manage your time well and how to form good relationships and leverage the people that are around you, um, success is going to come by very hard. Um, we had to learn how to like meet our learning teams, how to disperse work amongst each other, how to handle like five classes, five case classes at once, recruiting everyone still comes to get an MBA to try to network and meet people. It, it's been a little bit more difficult this year. Uh, but that's not to say that if you, if you didn't truly want to meet someone or your different classmates, you couldn't. Um, so I would say that, that the learning curve was pretty steep, but once you kind of get going in that direction, it becomes a little bit more natural and, and it ultimately makes you a better person, professional friend, team member, um, all those things. That makes sense. I mean, it's an important executive functioning skill for where you're going. Your lives are only going to get more complex from here, the kinds of roles and responsibilities you're going to have down the road. Uh, Chisum, how about for you? I mean, you came, you had finance background, maybe the numbers came a little bit more easily to you, but undoubtedly there were learning curves. Yeah, there were definitely learning curves like Rafa had kind of touched on. Um, I think, honestly, Managing my time was definitely one of the most difficult things that I had to, to kind of figure out. Uh, also, making sure that I was, you know, as organized as I could possibly be. Um, that's an area that I'm still working on, if, you know, I'm being completely honest. Uh, at points when I got to Darden, uh, my email was very overwhelming. Um, and so over time, you know, I, I reached out to my learning team. I reached out to people in my section, uh, reached out to, you know, my friends in the consortium. And I said, hey, like, how are you managing this? Like, how are you handling your email? Like, it seems like it's all gas, no brakes right now. And so, you know, I took, you know, some valuable lessons from people and, you know, it, it's definitely helped me over time. But uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a pretty tough transition. Um, I will say for the first three quarters, uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose. But I think looking at where I am now and how much I've grown and learned, um, uh, I couldn't be happier. Uh, the community, again, uh, has been incredibly supportive. Um, and, you know, despite the pandemic, uh, I think Darden students have been incredibly intentional about making sure that they go above and beyond to meet each other in safe environments. And I've really appreciated that. Okay. I get a fair number of emails. I'm sure our listeners get a fair number of emails. Can you tell us one tip that you've learned through this quest to better manage your inbox? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not enough to just flag an email or read it and then mark it as unread. Uh, I found really quickly that, you know, you mark it and you you put it uh, as an item to do. And like, it's easy to forget it because there are new emails coming in. Um, and so what I kind of started to realize was, hey, 
first I need to make folders, uh, folders for each class, folders for clubs, uh, a folder, you know, for really anything. Um, and then I needed to be intentional about, you know, the time I was dedicating to my email, making sure that I was responsive um, because there are a lot of activities that, you know, I missed out on that I could have partaken in. And I realized if I had just addressed my email earlier on and, and had a good control of that, um, that wouldn't have happened. So uh, that would be the advice I would provide. Folders. Let's get organized. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Sarah, how about for you? Um, what were the learning curves uh, during the first year? Yeah, I think Rafa and Chisa mentioned a lot of them, but one that I really wanted to hone in on, Rafa, you mentioned it, but was the deep connections that you're trying to make with your classmates. Um, I think a lot of people think about, you know, the core classes and recruiting and how crazy that's going to be, but also how uh, challenging it is to walk into a room with, you know, 70 brand new people and really try and make these deep connections while you're also trying to learn finance and accounting and get a job. Um, but I think the classroom environment in particular, we had leading organizations in the first quarter, like Darden does facilitate creating those connections. And I would just advise to like lean into it. Everyone is in that same position as you are trying to make new friends and build these connections. But that was something that I wasn't necessarily prepared for and would definitely like want everyone to just be thinking about that heading into their first year. Chisum touched on it, but I do want to take just a moment to talk about what the past year has been like, obviously you've been through the first year, almost through the first year, I should say you're in quarter four right now, which is you starting to take electives, which I think everybody gets to this point and kind of breathes a little bit of a, of a sigh because the, the core is, is so challenging. Um, but what has the, the past year been like? I mean, one of the things that we've tried to chronicle here on the podcast is just how students are adapting to all of this. Sarah, can I stick with you to kind of kick us off here? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I was amazed by like just going off of what I was just saying about the connections that you can build with your classmates. Um, I mean, we have it within the consortium. We already have this like built-in family, but I was shocked at how quickly I was able to form these connections with my section. Uh, I mean, you know, it's these people, like you, you're with 65, some people that you really might not have anything in common with. Everyone's coming from totally different backgrounds and then throw in the global pandemic and class is almost fully virtual. You're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make friends? What's going to happen here? Um, it is. It happens very naturally. Like you do have to put yourself out there and that is a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised at how I was able to make friends and, you know, within the past, like within a month or two, I was able to call someone and be like, oh my gosh, let me be honest. I am totally lost on this accounting. Can you please help me? And, you know, all my section mates like would jump on a call with us or a virtual Zoom and be there to help. So while yes, it was particularly challenging, um, more so than other years, it was still extremely rewarding, at least in the sense that I feel like I've been able to build those connections. That is one of the cool things about this year as we've talked with student leaders and we've talked to people involved with extracurricular life and just students generally. I mean, there has been this persistence uh, to the Darden community that people have still 
you know, found ways to, to build connection. Rafa, any, any thoughts on, on this? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah. I, I mean, it's been, I feel like you always make strong connections or you can make strong connections, but I feel on one side, it's been a little bit more difficult, like Sarah was saying, to make these connections because you're not in class and you're not in person uh, with these people every day crossing paths all the time. On the other hand, though, that silver lining is that the connections that you do make are that much stronger than the connections are, at least that I can imagine are that much stronger than the connections that potentially you could have or would have made uh, in the past. So I think we're actually in a very unique and positive situation in which we're going to have to both sides we've experienced. We're going to have one year that we went through COVID and hopefully it never comes back. And then we're going to have a second year that we go back to how the way it was. And we'll now be able to kind of experience both and, and be, be hopefully grateful for the opportunities and, and these experiences that we have had. That's a great way to look at it. And obviously the university has come out and said the current plan for August is uh, to be in person. They're monitoring things very, very closely, obviously with the rollout of vaccines and the trend of the pandemic, but encouraging news, uh, the reasons for, for optimism. Uh, I recognize, you know, we're again, quarter four, you may be still kind of figuring things out for the summer, but um, to the extent you feel comfortable sharing where you are in the, in the process, uh, Chisum, have you figured out what you're going to do uh, this summer? Yeah, I have, Brett. Uh, this summer, I'm going to be interning with Microsoft. Uh, my internship will be virtual, but I'm still going to make a dart and trek with a couple of classmates who will be probably heading up to Seattle, uh, you know, at some point in their careers. So I'm very excited to be with Microsoft this summer. I'm actually going to be working in their business development and sales function as a customer success manager. Congratulations. And any reason to be in Seattle, man, it's beautiful out there. So enjoy, enjoy that trip. How about, how about you, Rafa? Uh, yes, I uh, will be with Bain and company in Boston. Sarah, how about for you? Uh, do you have plans for the summer? I do. Uh, I will also be with Bain and company, but I will be in Chicago. So Rafa's leaving Chicago just as I'm getting there. Um, but we'll have that Bain connection. That's awesome. Well, congratulations to all three of you. Um, sounds like you've got incredible summers uh, ahead. And so let's transition uh, here and talk a little bit more about you mentioned earlier, you're all each other's favorite co-liaisons and people may be listening to this call and they're like, I don't have a co-liaison. Should I have a co-liaison? And um, should I also have a favorite co-liaison? Well, if you're a consortium uh, liaison with a few other people, yes, maybe you should. So all the folks on this on this podcast are consortium liaisons. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what it means to be a consortium liaison. Uh, Rafa, um, what exactly does a consortium liaison do? So before, before I answer exactly what we do, I just want to give a quick little synopsis of what I think the liaison role really is. And essentially what Chisholm, Sarah, and I are to the, to the Darden Consortium, first of all, is essentially like this, the bridge between the consortium and the consortium family and the rest of our Darden family. And the reason why that bridge is important is because in order to be a part of the consortium, we have to be trying to fulfill the consortium's mission, which is to combat the, the lack of underrepresented minorities in business and in business school settings. So it's really important for us uh, as a liaison to truly embody that mission and work towards trying to combat that so that 
no longer in the future there will be hopefully that underrepresented minority and there is some sort of equity and equality in all of these things now with that spiel out of the way our roles really entail um, just working with our um, consortium family here at Darden and ensuring that everyone kind of feels like they have a community a home as soon as they get into Darden they feel like they have someone that they can relate to or look up to uh, and also that they just feel heard and empowered in all things that they're doing, because the reason, you know, because people can uh, associate with these underrepresented groups, it might um, show or, or like give people a reason to kind of doubt themselves sometimes or feel like, you know, maybe I don't belong. Maybe I'm here, not really on my own merit, et cetera. And we just want to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, that is not true. Everyone is here on their merit and everyone that is here deserves to be here. A very important message, one that we certainly emphasize here on the podcast that everybody's here for a reason. Everybody's earned their seat in the class. Um, she's some, um, some of our listeners may just be learning about the consortium and maybe wondering, okay, well, that's cool. Um, you know, they've got these liaisons and building this bridge and connection and sort of advocating uh, for, for groups and listening and making sure people feel heard. Uh, what is the consortium for people who may be a little bit earlier in this process? Yeah. For folks who are a bit earlier in this process, uh, the consortium is a nonprofit that uh, essentially set out with the mission to uh, ultimately help Black, uh, Latinx, and Native Americans uh, go to business school, but ultimately breach into C-suite positions so that they could ultimately have representation in those functions. Uh, because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's very important if you're trying to inspire the next generation uh, that they can see people that look like them. Uh, that may talk like them. They may have even come from the same places that they came from. And so that's ultimately what the consortium's goal uh, and mission is, is to really accomplish. Thank you for that. All right. So we talked about what consortium liaisons do. We talked about the consortium. Sarah, I'm going to come to you. And there's many different ways that students can get involved. And obviously, students play a really active role in shaping life at the Darden School. We've talked a bunch here on the podcast about student self-governance. Uh, but you chose to be a consortium liaison, probably amongst other things. But what attracted you uh, to this role? Yeah, so for me, being a consortium liaison is really creating a community within our own consortium family because a lot of these, a lot of our members are underrepresented minorities. So we want to make sure that they feel very safe and welcome here at Darden and getting their MBA and therefore in their next steps um, in the business world. So for me, uh, we have each, having three liaisons is very special and we have each kind of taken a pillar. So for mine, I am really focused on creating on social. So, you know, creating these events to foster the community within the consortium. So that's where my focus is. And over the next year, I really want to make sure everyone feels welcome and we create the strong bond uh, within our consortium family. And with that, I can pass it to Rafa and Chisum so they can talk about each one of their pillars. If you wanted to go, Rafa. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Uh, so I, I handled the academic pillar. Um, and essentially what, what we want to do with this pillar and what we do with this pillar is 
um, make sure that uh, the first year class is prepared and ready for finals during core, because, you know, coming back to school, some people have been out of school for probably five plus years. Last thing they ever thought was that they were going to take another exam again, write another essay again. So what we want to do, though, is take away the daunting factor of, you know, a lot of people haven't had a, a case method education. So you don't really know what to expect specifically from those finals. So we make sure to set up uh, tutoring sessions and review sessions for all the finals um, and have people available throughout uh, the entire year also to answer questions, to get people ready, to discuss topics and, and just make sure that people don't feel like the academic side of the MBA is ever going to be a hindrance or something that they should be um, you know, weary of or that they're not going to succeed with. And then I'll pass it off to Chisholm. Thank you, Rafa. Um, and as the last pillar uh, for our consortium, I'm covering careers. Um, so my job, more importantly than anything, is to really just to listen uh, to the new individuals who are coming into the consortium family, uh, to understand what is important to them um, and understand what career paths they're interested in, uh, but also to connect them with the plenty of resources that we have here at Darden um, so that they have access and know that there are all there's so many different career paths that they could take so many different opportunities and making sure that they're educated on those opportunities and so once they've figured out what career paths that they're interested in taking my job is to connect them with you know second years who can help walk them through that process in terms of recruiting um, and help get them up to speed so that they're ready for those interviews uh, for those behavioral and technical questions that they might come across um, and so ultimately preparing them for that next stage. So quick question, this may be obvious, uh, maybe to our listeners, but I feel it'd be worth asking here. How did you decide on these three pillars? Uh, does it align with the consortium mission or is it just, these are the three things that we thought were, were important, Chisum? Do you have uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think in, in MBA programs in general, I think at least the way I've always viewed it, or I've always been told, there are three pillars, social, academic, um, and uh, career. And so it's very difficult to navigate all three. Uh, if you can do all three at once, I think, you know, you've hit the holy grail. Um, but I think for most people, when they come to business school, you know, they're really good at navigating two at a time. Um, and so it kind of reminds me that, you know, you, you can do all things, right? But you can't always do all things at once. Um, and so that's kind of how we thought about it. Um, and, you know, I think the past liaisons that we've had, you know, the pleasure of, you know, learning from and working alongside, they kind of helped also frame, you know, uh, this kind of structure for us. And, and we ultimately think that this structure is great and that it works. That makes sense. And I, I've had folks tell me on this podcast that, you know, you have these three primary objectives and they're all competing for a finite resource, your time. And so I figured you might say something like that, but I was curious uh, to hear, hear your thoughts. So I know it's early in your roles um, as consortium liaisons, but you've probably already begun doing some planning, setting some goals for the year ahead. It's starting to hear some aspirations in, in what you're talking about here with the pillars. Uh, Rafa, uh, any things that are particularly on your mind as, as you think about the academic piece you know, what, what would be your goal or when you look back on the year to say like, oh, we've been super successful. How would you judge that? I think it's always hard to judge success. Um, for me personally, I think a successful year will be uh, talking back to the first year class uh, and making sure that hopefully, hopefully no one comes back to us saying, oh, I did not feel prepared or, 
you know, I needed some support and, uh, you know, the consortium always says they have your back and they're your family. And I never got any support for this class. Uh, or, you know, that review session truly didn't cover the material. The review people weren't prepared to lead that session. I'd say at a, at a base, base level, or like, sorry, not a base, like the higher or the umbrella of that would be like, that never happened. Um, at a more uh, rudimentary or like, you know, statistical level, uh, I would like everyone to, you know, SP or above, right? That's, that's, the, that's the standard. So making sure that we keep the consortium family uh, always, you know, that, that uh, middle, middle bump of the curve or better, uh, ideally better, but making sure that everybody feels supported enough to know that, you know, academics are something we're here to learn. Uh, we have to dedicate time to them but they should never be something that keeps you from doing something else that you want to do uh, with your MBA, with your career, with your life and forward. And for those uh, of our listeners still learning a bit about the Darden grading scale, just a quick translation. What does SP stand for, Rafa? Uh, an SP in traditional grade point average stands for a 3.0. All right. Thank you for that additional clarification. All right, Chisum, you're focused on careers. You know, what... Um, what at the end of the year, if you were to look back on the year, what would you say this has been a successful year? Or what are your goals? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and kind of to piggyback off of Rafa's, you know, uh, point, which is very co common here at Darden, uh, you know, building off of, you know, the points of others. I think uh, I would judge success based off of how, you know, the incoming first year class would view it. And I think it's important to have that conversation early on and sit down and say, you know, when you look at where you are a year from now, how will you define success? And based off of how they define it, that's how I'll define success. So I want them to ultimately be placed in, you know, the companies and in the positions that they desire to be placed in. And so I'm going to work tirelessly uh, with the rest of our team to make sure that they have access to the resources and that they're prepared to step into those rooms and make that happen for themselves. I appreciate that. Start with your, your end user. Say, hey, well, what, what do you hope to accomplish? Um, one of the things that people do talk about is that sometimes it can you can feel a little pressure to follow the crowd in an MBA program. Lots of people going lots of different directions and you can feel pulled. Maybe FOMO is the word for this. I'm not sure. Um, what do you say to that? Uh, you may get this question, I think, from a, from a new first year student trying to navigate the career piece. Uh, so Chisum, I'm wondering what you might say about that. That's a great question. Um, and I think, you know, looking at my two favorite co-liaisons here, uh, they're both heading into management consulting. And I will say, you know, it's very easy to to kind of end up getting pulled in with the crowd. Uh, you know, there are all there are wonderful professions that you can embark on out of here, all of which will, you know, hopefully allow you to achieve, you know, the long term goals that you want. Um, I think for folks when they're deciding, I would tell them, hey, remember why you came here. Um, it's OK to explore but ultimately be true to yourself, all right? Make sure that at the end of the day, when you are sitting in an interview and you are looking down at a piece of paper and you have the opportunity to decide, hey, I'm gonna intern here or I'm going to be full-time here, that you are making that decision for you and that you are going to be happy with it. Because I think it's not fair you know, to look back and say, well, here I am now working in this position. I think I kind of did it because I saw other people doing it they talk glowingly about it as they should because you know they're passionate about what they're pursuing. And I want to make sure that those folks are passionate about what they're pursuing and, and they make the right choice for themselves. That's good advice. We should all listen, all, should all listen to that. Hopefully everybody's listening to this podcast. 
Um, so Sarah, um, you know, when you look back on the year, you think about, you know, what's to come, you know, how would you define success? Um, what, what, what are your goals? Me again, thinking about our, our social calendar and creating these connections. I really want the incoming first year members of the consortium to feel like this is their family, which is a lot <laughs> to say as my goal is to create this family, but that genuinely is what I hope. So I want to foster these connections among the first year class, but also they should know that all of the second years are here to support them in their academic and their career goals, but also just personally, each of them individually, we support them. And I, I really hope they feel that uh, within the incoming consortium class. But also we have a lot of students at Darden that are not a part of the consortium. So for them, I would like to, I want them to know that we're here to if they would like to listen. Again, we are filled with a lot of underrepresented minorities and those stories are really, really important to hear. Uh, there are going to be some challenging conversations that they have with classmates. And so I would want them to at least recognize that the consortium is here if they have questions or they are willing to learn. So that would be a, a secondary goal of mine, but really it is to foster a, a community and a family feeling for our consortium students. Make no small plans. Uh, the, this crowd is definitely of that school of thought. So um, we tend to ask the same last question. I've got one more after this, a little bit lighter, uh, I will say. Um, uh, but this question is really just about advice. Any tips you would share uh, for prospective students or some of our incoming students? Anything that you would encourage them uh, to think about? Um, Sarah, is there a piece of advice that you would like to highlight here on the podcast? Absolutely. So I will say incoming students just take the summer and relax. I know it's so, so challenging. I was like trying to figure out what books I needed to read, but like genuinely just relax and take your summer. And when you get here, be ready to hit the ground running in all senses for recruiting academics, but also don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Everyone is looking for a friend. So if you're feeling any sort of way, just reach out to anyone and everyone that you meet. And I'm positive the Darden family will welcome you with open arms. I like that advice. Be someone's friend. You know, Tom Steenberg came here on the podcast and was talking about, you know, no one should eat lunch by themselves. Everybody should have someone to eat lunch with. I mean, it, you know, let's, let's set these goals. That's, that is a great thing. It's a, it seems like a small thing, but it would make a huge difference in, in people's days. Um, Chisum, how about for you? Any, any advice, any tips? Yeah, uh, I think the one piece of advice I would give is to just be highly attuned to the details of relationships um, and be resilient when you go out there and you put yourself in front of folks um, and you're trying to make new friends, new connections. Uh, and just be mindful that everybody is coming, you know, for different reasons and timing is a huge component in that. Um, there are people who will come and they will be really focused on making sure that they secure, you know, that internship opportunity that they want. And that doesn't mean that they don't necessarily want to be social. It just means that on their timeline right now, from a sequential standpoint, that isn't their main priority. Um, but when they are ready um, to be social and they've accomplished that goal, be mindful and just always remember to open, be embrace, embrace them with open arms ultimately. Um, and so, that's the one piece of advice I would give. 
All right. So everybody's sort of on their timeline, working their own plan. But, you know, when they do reach out, reach back. Uh, Rafa, um, any piece of advice that you would share? Yeah, definitely. I have, I have two quick pieces. Uh, one, don't forget about yourself and your family and your friends. Uh, it's really easy to get caught up in doing casework or extra recruiting or extra things to practice or extra schoolwork. But just like anything else you do when you were at a job or at school before, you need to take care of yourself as well. So don't, you know, don't stop playing sports. Don't stop working out if that's what you like to do. Don't stop going out on a Thursday night with your friends if that's how you like to unwind. It's very important to, to stay in tune with yourself and to take care of yourself because even though it is two years, two years is a little bit of a long game. So you got to make sure to stay in it. And the other piece, uh, which I think is really important, is to embrace the cold call. Um, for those listening that don't know what a cold call is, when you come to school, sometimes you might be raising your hand, sometimes you might not, but you're going to be asked to contribute in class. Um, and a lot of people... I've noticed truly uh, are fearful of it. Uh, and I would say that being cold call and embracing it is one of the best things you can learn from being in this environment, because now especially is the time to say whatever you want to say and make your mistakes and learning to not feel bad about that or not feel weird or out of place. Answering those questions in the middle of the classroom is going to pay dividends in the future. I like that. Let's all embrace the cold call. I feel like that's also another good lesson, life lesson. We've covered so much ground here, um, not just you know business school tips. We're, we're doing life advice now here on the podcast. So um, this is a little bit more of a lighter question. We've been collecting sort of pandemic hobbies, pastimes over the past few months as we talked with guests. And I wonder, y'all have been very, very busy, right? You've been in core, but what have you done to sort of fill up the time? We've been at home a bit more, a little bit more limited in terms of what we can do in the world. Cheesome, have you picked up a hobby, a pastime? We've heard lots about puzzling and painting and sketching, doodling, reading, podcasting here on, on the podcast. Anything uh, that you've enjoyed over these past few months? Man, that's a great question. I don't know if I've necessarily picked up a new hobby, but the one thing that I definitely always lean into is probably watching, you know, a new show or a new movie. Um, and finding a community of people who appreciate, you know, great content on, on television. Um, and so I found a, a good group of people here who I can always, you know, bounce show ideas off of or, or provide recommendations and they do the same for me. Um, and so it's always interesting to kind of circle back and see, you know, what their thoughts were on that. And so that's something that's kind of helped keep me kind of grounded while I've been here at Darden. All right. Well, a statement like that, we've got to ask you, what should we be watching instead of like old friends reruns or whatever we're watching? Um, what should we be watching? Um, I watched a, a television show um, on AMC Plus not too long ago that a friend recommended uh, to me here at Darden, and it's called Gangs of London. Uh, more of a mature uh, show, TV show, um, but uh, from a cinematic perspective, uh, this is probably the best television show I've seen, uh, at least over the past year, for sure, hands down. Strong praise. Yeah. But for a mature audience. So, all right. Uh, our listeners are forewarned. Rafa, how about, how about you? Have you picked up uh, any, any uh, hobbies, pastimes? Are you still doing CrossFit? I guess maybe we should ask that, too. I am. I am still doing CrossFit. Fortunately, it does help keep me sane. Um, I go with my wife now, though. I convinced her to finally join with me. So uh, we've been doing that. I'd say um, not necessarily a new hobby either, uh, but 
uh, my wife and I definitely will take uh, a certain hour or uh, out of a certain day of the week to just like put everything down her from work, me from school and like go for a walk and stuff, which has been very welcome and been fantastic. Cause in Chicago, it is fun to walk through the city, but you don't really necessarily have the great outdoors or, or any of the great like views that we have here. Um, so that that's been uh, really helping us stay uh, grounded and, um, and content during all this time. We are a pro walking podcast uh, with sympathetic audience here. So um, Sarah, um, anything that you've picked up or maybe an old hobby, something that you just enjoyed doing here in the midst of the, of the pandemic. Yes. Like I'm sure a bunch of our listeners, <laughs> I got a Peloton. I just checked and I'm on a 55 week streak for Peloton classes, which almost perfectly coincides with the beginning of the pandemic. So it truly has been a pandemic hobby, but I love it. So if anyone wants to talk about their favorite instructor or class, I'm definitely your girl. I was really intrigued that I think there's now an outcast playlist um, on Peloton. Uh, do you have, is there a particular class you enjoy? I mean, we might as well ask this question. Oh my gosh. Yes. I could talk about it on a whole other podcast if you let me, but it would probably be, I just started the bike boot camps with tune day. So when I'm feeling like very stressed and just like need the, the release tune day kicks your butt, like no other instructor and her bike boot camp classes are my absolute favorite. So highly recommend. All right. I cannot think of the last podcast where we had someone calling from Puerto Rico. We had everyone's favorite co-liaisons. We had uh, TV recommendations. We had uh, recommendations if you wanted to work out in a Peloton. We had all sorts of great business school advice. We have covered uh, the waterfront. We did it. We did it, Consortium Co-Liaisons. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure catching up with you. And thank you for all that you're doing on behalf of the Darden community. And good luck finishing up quarter four. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you hopefully uh, in the coming year to hear how things are going. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. Thank you very much, Brett. And that was my conversation with Sarah Rumps, Rafa Rivera, and Chisum Omenyenma, three first-year students in our full-time MBA class of 2022. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. <laughs>